Welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandan. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're joined by the incredible Nadia Jagasar, star of hit Netflix reality show, Indian Matchmaking. Nadia shares her experience being on the show and unpacks some of the important issues she raised in it. Nadia is so lovely. It was such a delight speaking with her. We hope you enjoy our conversation. Before we jump in, we wanted to remind you that our next episode is centered around lived experiences with racism. So if you have any stories you'd like to share on our platform, DM us on Instagram at stuckinbetween underscore podcast. Thanks. Thanks so much, Nadia, for joining us today. We're so excited to have you on our podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. And for those who've been living under a rock and don't know what Indian matchmaking is, um, it's a Netflix reality program that follows young South Asians who are based in India um, and America as they try to find love through a matchmaking service, um, which was led by a woman named Seema Taparia. And our lovely guest here, Nadia, was definitely one of the favourites from that show. And I'm not just saying that. Um, So Nadia, (laughs) in this episode, we don't want to just talk about the show but to start off could you share a little bit about yourself for our listeners who haven't watched a show and what interested you in joining a show like that and putting your name forward for that yeah so um I am born and raised in New Jersey um I have never lived anywhere except New Jersey um and I love it so much even though New Jersey gets a bad reputation um from shows like Jersey Shore and all those things but um (laughs) I love Jersey um I work full-time um and in marketing at a fragrance house um I own my own event planning company, Euphoria Events. Um, I, before that, you know, before the show and, and everything happened, um, I, you know, was was dancing uh, full-time pretty much. I was part of a dance company called Atma Performing Arts. Um, and I was just living, traveling. Like I said, I was in Australia. I, that was like something I just loved to do. And then um, when I saw the casting uh, flyer posted online, I was just like, okay, this looks fake. Like my friend from my dance company, (laughs) she monitors our email account and through our dance company, we get casting emails for things all the time. And so my girlfriend sent it to me and she was like, you should audition for this. And it was just some like Indian wedding picture. They just Googled and then slapped a Netflix logo on it. And I was like, what is this fake show she's going to make me audition for? And so, um, the, process was pretty simple send a picture and you know answer three questions and I was like you know I have nothing to lose I'm the only single friend in my friend group it's been like at that point it's it was like maybe four and a half five years since since I had been in a relationship and I was like I have nothing to lose let me just try and so I remember on my first kind of casting call I told them I was like well I'm not actually Indian and so I was like very clear about that because it said like are you South Asian and so I know ne- I never wanted there to be like that I was misleading anybody mm-hmm. um, and then as we like went through the process and then after the show came out and they were just like oh we loved that you were Guyanese and I was like really and so they were like yeah like that's why we included you and I was like oh it wasn't because I was just like cool but <laughs> I was like okay that's <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the rest is history after that. Um, and so it was just a no brainer. And I've just always been like that with, with opportunities. I'm like, something comes along and I'm just like, 
Let me just, just try. give it a go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What was the experience like? Um, this is more of a sugary question, but I guess just being on camera, you seem so comfortable, like natural, really down to earth, which we loved. Um, what was that like to, to have people kind of follow you around? Um, honestly, I felt very comfortable in front of the camera, like the team themselves, they were amazing. And I, I was always a performer, like growing Mm. up, I was just always a performer. I started dancing when I was like three. And then, um, in high school, I was actually like, I did modeling for a little bit. Um, and so I just felt very comfortable being myself with people watching me, if that Mm. like makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, this was no different than, than that. The weirdest part for me was like eating on camera. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. Yeah. That was like the only time that I was very aware of it, but yeah, otherwise, um, I felt, I felt very comfortable. So when you got the news that you're going on this docuseries slash reality show, what were your like family and friends reactions? So my parents are like, they've just come to expect this from me. Honestly, my (laughs) whole life, I've just come home and I'm like, I'm going to go do this crazy thing. And they're just like, okay. Um, my friends were just like, they were planning like the viewing party and like all this stuff. I'm like, guys, I didn't even film one minute of this show yet. I said, for all I know, it could completely tank, you know? Um, and so everybody was just so excited. I honestly, like when I go into my dates, I had low expectations. When I was going into this, I had very low expectations. Cause I'm just like, well, what if it, you know, doesn't work out or what if something mm. happens or, you know, I didn't believe it was happening until they showed up at my home. And mm. I was like, oh man, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, everybody was so supportive. Oh, that's awesome. And I guess like to your point um, with like having low expectations, I guess it's the most realistic thing to go about, right? Like not just expecting too much and hoping for too much um, because it's just so out of the ordinary and we've never seen something like it before. Um, I guess to that point, um, have your attitudes towards dating and what you look for in a partner changed because of the show? Yes. Um, now one of the biggest things is like I'm just more self-conscious of do people actually want to date me for me or me for Nadia from Indian matchmaking Mm. like now I'm just kind of second guessing people's motives Mm. um, which is a sucky way to think about it but like a lot of people would just even after the show came out, I found out from, you know, friends of friends or my cousins or just random people being like, oh, you know, some guy would be like, oh, I went out with Nadia or, oh, I, they found any way to just say that, like, they went out with me, they hooked up with me, they took me on a date, whatever way they could make a connection. Um, and so now it's like, well, are people just going to do that so they can say they went out with me or are they, are they genuinely interested in me? Right. Mm. You know, so um, that's the struggle. And then the other thing is finding a guy who isn't jealous because I get recognized quite frequently when I'm out. And if people are constantly coming up to us and if it happens to be a guy, like the guy that I'm with can't Mm. be like, why is everyone coming up to you? So like, you know, until the dust kind of settles, like those are going to be two things that like people are going to have to now understand or that I'm gonna also have to understand that's such like a frustrating thing to have to navigate it sounds like yeah I mean it is because everybody thought that it would be the opposite but it actually made dating 
way more difficult than dating already was. <laughs> to that, what、um, would you say you learned about yourself throughout the Indian matchmaking process? I think the biggest thing was just like standing up for myself.、Um, but I always used to. I was always the person who was like, "Oh, it's okay if you don't show up," or "Oh, it's all right if you, you know, don't like call me or text me or whatever." And like, I'm I'm 33 years old. Like, it's not all right anymore. <laughs> like, that's not all right at any age. But like, I always used to be like, "Oh, they probably didn't mean it," or like, you know, always giving another chance. But it's like. Um, okay, well, like respect my time and energy, and respect me, and then I'm starting to like finally do that for myself.、Mm-hmm. And I think、yeah. that's probably like the biggest thing that I probably should have been doing all along. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we also saw that growth in you as we saw your journey kind of progress,、yeah. which is like super cool to watch and be a part of.、Um, I think what was interesting for us. Is like our friends would kind of watch it and debrief after binging a bunch of episodes, and、yeah. for us, there wasn't anything that was really new on anything that surprised us, right? Because we all know people, I've seen or heard of stories about people with、yeah. similar experiences and attitudes as to what was shown on screen. But despite all of that, it was still so fascinating to see、mm-hmm. kind of some of the things mirror with. Stuff that we're surrounded by,、um, yeah. especially on a platform like Netflix.、Um, when did it kind of hit you the significance or the impact of what you were a part of? Oof! I mean, I honestly, it. I don't think it like still has hit me like completely, completely.、Um, but when I got messages, so one of them that really hit me the most was、um, one of my. Dance friend, she's Indian, but in her group chat, her friend is Guyanese, and she messaged in the group, and she was like, all caps. She's like, guys, everyone needs to go watch Indian Matchmaking. It is the first time I've ever seen representation, and I can't like contain myself. And、awesome. so that for me, like people just so close to home who just never had seen somebody, and it never hit me that I was going to be that. Person,、mm-hmm. um, and I got messages from people all over the world who were sharing similar stories of like my family left India and went to Fiji. My family left India and went to South Africa. My family left and went to Holland, and it was like then we ended up, you know, wherever we ended up. But they still had their roots, but they were then rooted wherever they, you know, ended up as well, right? And so to to be that representative,、uh, just. I don't think it fully has hit me yet.、Um, maybe the impact that I've actually had on people, but、um, I mean, I'm so proud to, you know, to wear that badge. You should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah most yeah. definitely. I think that's awesome. And we'll get to the representation and identity in a second. But I think、yeah. the show also gave a lot of way for other sort of South Asian reality shows to come about as well. Like I've seen a few others pop up on Netflix since, and there wasn't that space. I feel like I don't know if I just missed it, but I feel like that it just wasn't there before this show. So I think it just、yeah. brought. Our stories kind of to the mainstream, and there were non-South Asian people watching it as well, and getting an insight into you know what what our culture and what people of our culture kind of go through,、um, as well as you know what Sandin said before, it allowed us to see people we know reflected back on the screen.、Mm. You know, you look like our friends, our cousins,、mm. or the experiences that you went through, because there's so many people in our own lives who are. Dealing with something similar, so I think it was just yeah. Yeah, it, was, it was a bit of a milestone. I think that show. Yeah, I think when I'm out 
most of the time I get recognized more so from non-South Asians than I do from South Asians. That's thing one. And then secondly, to your point, I agree. I think it did open so many doors. And I think the broad appeal is that matchmaking doesn't only happen in India. It happens in so many other cultures and religions and countries that people can still relate to it. So to see one kind of aspect of it, um, I think that's why people really gravitated towards it. Mm. Mm. A friend of mine was actually saying that a colleague of theirs who isn't South Asian watched the show and um, apparently that helped spark a conversation between them, you know, sharing about their cultures and traditions from their cultures, which was awesome to hear. Um, one thing yeah. you did talk about on the show is how within South Asian communities, you know, despite all of the external forces that marginalize us, we still have a tendency to discriminate amongst our own people. Um, you were speaking about how you come from a Guyanese Indian background, and there's plenty of examples, like you mentioned, uh, people moving from India way back when to places like Fiji and mm-hmm. Guyana and South Africa. And, um, you know, they took their culture with them and established kind of like a hybrid identity. Yeah. And in one of the episodes, you mentioned how some Indians don't consider you as really Indian, right? Which is so sad because, you know, who's anyone to say that you can or can't be a part of your own culture? Um, right. Could you speak a little to that and what it was like growing up Guyanese Indian in America? Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I said, grew up born and raised in Jersey and the town that we lived in was like really white. Um, and so it was like me, my brother and my two cousins who were like one of the only few colored people in our whole town. Um, and it, it was something that I didn't really embrace until much later in my life. Um, I think the not being Indian enough came probably in college um, was when I really started to like recognize it because when I was in high school and, and, you know, growing up, I had my dance friends and they were Indian, but it was never, it was never a thing with them. I think we were just all, you know, a group of girls who enjoyed dancing and we danced together and that was it. But then when I went to college and it started like you know, becoming competitive and then like things, you know, whatever. Um, I was on the Garba team, like the Ross and Garba mm. team at Rutgers. And I was the captain of it for, for two years. And people were just like, oh, how is like the non-Indian girl, the captain of the Garba team? Like, why isn't a Gujarati person? I'm like, please, I am more Gujarati than half of you. So like, let's relax. Mm. Um, and so that's when it kind of started of like, how is this non-Indian person teaching the Indians how to do an Indian thing? And I'm like, cause you guys are probably more disconnected from your culture than I am. Because um, I think like to your point, when our ancestors left, they made it a point to keep as much of their mm. culture as they could. And I think that was really like, I mean, props to my grandparents, my parents, and, you know, for kind of keeping that alive. Um, and so that curiosity and that um, interest in it was always there for me. And so um, that was like, one part of it. But then after college, when I started dating and I was like only dating brown guys, my last ex, he was Gujarati. And I mean, I say it in the show, he was just like, well, I want to, like, I have Mm. to marry a Gujarati girl. Like you're not good enough. I was like, bro, I've been on vacation with your family. We lived together for like a year and a half. His mom would text me. I would sleep over his like parents' house. And I'm like, you're telling me that your parents want you to marry a Gujarati girl, but like they're totally chill with us living together. And like, they know we're dating. 
don't even let me get started on that. But um, it was just the fact that he had this idea that that's what his parents wanted mm. and not realizing that I fit very well into the family. And look, looking back, I'm like blessing in disguise that it did not work out because he turned out to be a terrible human. But um, it was things like that where like parents would look down on me, like my ex before my last one, his mom like found out he um, ate chicken and she's like, did Nadia make you eat chicken? I'm like, excuse me, your son was eating chicken, drinking, smoking long before he met me. Like, but she just used the fact that I was not Indian. And then I probably didn't have as good values or whatever as her, you know, precious son did. And that I was the one who made him do that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy. So that's where I kind of felt it the most was like when in my dating life. That's insane because it's really like to to your point before about how your parents and your grandparents have really tried to carry on the culture further. I I feel like you almost have more of an appreciation for that Indian culture because you're like sort of removed from it years before the rest of us had been right. Like Mm -hmm. you, I I know in the show you said your family moved, I think in the 1850s or something like that, which, Mm -hmm. you know, like my parents moved in the the 2000s from Sri Lanka. Like it's way far back. So I feel like you guys have kind of appreciated it more and kept that. And also to, to your point just then about your ex and all of that, that happened, it's, it's very surface level stuff. I feel like, personality wise and everything else you know you you said yourself you fit so well into his family but despite that it was just that surface level thing of you not having that background that kind of broke that off which I feel like happens so much where like religion or background or whatever one thing which is not related to who the person is as a person um kind of make things not work out basically yeah and that kills me because it's like is me not being Gujarati means I'm a bad person or it means that like I'm not going to treat you right like I just yeah Yeah, exactly and you're still in touch with your culture yeah it's just the the type of Indian you are in air (laughs) quotes right yeah but then the other thing was that like I assume for people who were maybe alive or like you know they knew of you know the British taking um, Indians is that the people that were were taken to to work were like the lowest class people. And so I think that's also like another stigma was that, you know, the people who were taken were lower class. So if I came from that, I'm, if I'm a descendant of that, then like I'm a low class person. Mm, I didn't think about that. So I think yeah. there was also that like misconception. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a whole other issue in itself. That's a whole other it? thing. <laughs> because I can't believe that still exists in this day and age where you're obviously so successful and who cares what lineage in terms of class or caste you've come from. Um, and it's just think. interesting because like that whole spectrum of it's like this whole, this spectrum of where you are when it comes to being cultured. Like people put you on this like t- this line and it's like you're either very cultured or not cultured at all, but you mm-hmm. can kind of be in between. And it, things like, you know, oh, if you eat meat or if you drink, it's like, oh, you're automatically put a few steps back on that spectrum yeah. as well. And right. then, yeah, it's just so like- many factors. Yeah, I mean, I walked that line for so long. Like when I was at dance, I was brown and I, you know, was whatever. And then at school, like all my friends are white. And so um, I was like, 
you know, the like little preppy girl who just like try, you know, I pretended that I was white. And then like, I, I was very much a chameleon for like a very long mm. time where like, like when I was with this group of friends, I was this way, when I was with family, I'm this way and this and this and this. And so it's exhausting being like <laughs> that many people. Um, and so at a certain point I was just like, I can't with this anymore. <laughs> and then mm. I just started like, I was like, if you don't want to listen to soca music with me, like you can't, we can't be friends. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I love that. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know, I know you mentioned that it was um, at uni where you started sort of realizing um, that whole, like being not Indian enough. And I know you just spoke to how you were a chameleon and, and kind of played different roles with different groups of people. Um, did you ever reject your cultures in terms of your Guyanese and your Indian cultures at, at some point because it just got too difficult to navigate like all three in your in your life? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I mean, I had kind of rejected being Guyanese for a really long time because mm-hmm. it was like so hard. Like I didn't fully understand like, that I was so different from people. So it was hard to explain what was different about me because, you know, like there's so, so many similarities between like Indo-Caribbeans and Indians that it's like in my head, there was not really much of a difference. And so to be able as a child, you know, as a growing kid to be able to verbalize and communicate that to people where they'll understand when I barely understand like that was really hard so I had really rejected it or like hit it for like a really long time only my very very like best friends like when they would come over my house like my mom would make Guyanese food, but most of the time we would like order pizza and like I'd make sure my mom didn't cook curry so the house didn't smell and like I would always do these things and like yeah I mean I rejected that for a long time and then um, even, you know, like I said, after college, uh, it it just became exhausting to have to separate my, my, myself, um, every single time I was hanging out with a group of people. Um, and so I just, I would, I stopped doing that. Um, and I was just like, Hey, if we're, if I'm driving, if like, we're taking a road trip and I'm driving somewhere, like I'm going to play soca music. Or if we're like at my house, my mom's going to make chicken curry and you're gonna have to eat it and like now my friends love it and like I mean it was hard to whittle down or to feel like oh I was losing friends because of this but it was like well I I'm I was tired it was tiring to to do that constantly so yeah it was um it was something that took me a long time to be able to like bring all three yeah. pieces together but um yeah yeah. It feels and good. I didn't even realize it was a, a thing. I know you just said it didn't hit you that it was like a big deal. And like when I was watching the show and you, you were talking about how you were Guyanese and that, you know, you weren't Indian enough. I was like, is that even a thing? Like I had no idea because I was like, your roots are still the same. Like I, I was, I was so surprised. I was like, maybe I'm just really naive, but like, I did not think people would make a big deal of it because you know in Australia there's so many like you know South African Indians and Fijian Indians and you just see them as you know they've got that heritage as well so they're not Mm. that different from you but um no it's just really interesting yeah it's a really important issue that you brought up through the show yeah I mean my um for me it was just like either people didn't take the time to like half the people don't know where Guyana is that was problem one everyone thinks it's Ghana and that I'm from Africa 
So that's thing one. Then when I explain where it is, then they're just like, oh, but you look Indian. And I'm like, I know. So then I have to go through like the whole history. Right. And then after that, then it's like, okay. So now then they ask me like, oh, well, like, are you Hindu? Or are you Christian? I'm like, well, some of us are, some of us are Hindu. Some of us are Muslim. Like it's everything. Right. So for me, it was educating my friends specifically to be like, Hey, I'm not that different than you. And like, here's how, <laughs> mm. here's how we're actually similar. And so once they learned about that, it was like, okay, cool. And then after the show came out, so many people were like, oh my God, I looked up Guyana. Like, this is awesome. I want to go here. This is cool. And I'm like, perfect. Good. Like, <laughs> please learn. Um, <laughs> and so it's, I mean, it was, it was awesome to, to be able to like help educate people, but yeah, there's, there so many more similarities than differences, but it's just that people don't want to take the time to learn. Yeah. One of my aunts married into a Guyanese family and mm -hmm. my uncle introduced me to soca music. And I'm telling you, <laughs> one of the top five days in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it was like revolutionary. <laughs> it's a game changer. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, speaking of music, what was the importance of dance in kind of tying you to your culture and as a form of expression as well? Oh, dance was like such a huge, like it was everything, honestly. So, I mean, I started when I was really young, basically um, my mom went to a local show and she saw this Indian dance group and she was like, Hey, who's your teacher? They gave her my dance teacher's number. And I started when I was three years old and the rest is history. And so it was, in the beginning, it was just something fun. Like I, I did really enjoy going and I used to get dressed up. I used to wear like bang, like stacks and stacks of bangles um, when I would go to dance class. Cause I just loved how it sounded when I would move my hands. So it was something that like I enjoyed. And then um, I think, you know, I enjoyed that part of it growing up. But then when I was in college was when I really realized like how much it connected me with India and culture because I did all different forms I've done Bharatanatyam like I said I was on the Ras and Garba team I've done like Gathak like other folk styles mm. and so each one is so rooted in culture in different regions and so it helped me learn about those regions and those people and part of it was figuring a little bit about me like as my background like maybe my ancestors did this too or if they came from North India or South India or whatever um but then it was also, I just felt so natural doing it. I, there was never a point where I was like, I want to do ballet or I want to do, you know, jazz or something like that. It was just, I do Indian dancing or Bollywood dancing. And that was it. I never even like wanted to hide that from people at school. I used to perform at all of our talent shows and I would do uh -huh. a Bollywood dance or an Indian dance and people would be like, wow, like blown away by it. So that was I guess going back to the something that like if I was hiding it, I never actually hid that, which was now that I'm like thinking back at it, it was like pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was everything for me. And my parents, we like we still joke about it, is that like they they're like, you spend too much time at dance. You spend like you're still dance. I'm like, you put me in dance. And <laughs> how is it my fault that like I like the hobby that you chose for me? Um, and so it's, uh, I mean, I've made some of my best friends, closest friends, um, lifelong friends through, through dance. And it's amazing to share 
passion and share, you know, the art of performing and the stress of performing, um, you know, with people that you care about. And so it's, it's like been amazing. Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's such a good thing that your, your parents did subconsciously putting you kind of into that at such a young age because it's helped you in the long run with connecting to your roots and stuff. Um, so I guess shifting focus a little bit um, to the other thing that we want to talk to you about, which is the pressure of marriage and relationships in the South Asian culture. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as two South Asian people, we said it before, we see this happen so much, you know, we're in our, you know, mid twenties now. So even to us and friends around us, it's just something that seems to have popped up in the last few years and isn't going away where we, you know, we kind of get these questions from extended family and relatives and stuff like that. Um, and you just mentioned, you know, when you kind of went on the show because you were the only sort of single person in your group of friends. Um, did you feel that pressure from a young age of having to get married at a certain age? Like, did you set out sort of a, a bit of a timeline for yourself because of what you thought was expected of you? Because I feel like that happens so much to, to people like us and it's just, you know, not the most realistic way of, of thinking okay. about life. Yeah, so I, I obviously I had a timeline. I think every girl makes a timeline somewhere yep. in her head, right? <laughs> yep, can and confirm. my timeline really only came from the fact that I saw that my parents were young parents. And as I got older, I realized that like my brother and I, you know, we're getting older, we're self-sufficient and my parents are still so young. And it's like, we were in college and they were able to, you know, leave us home alone for a week, two weeks and go on vacation. And my brother and I are just like, what? <laughs> and so it was the fact that like, you know, yeah, maybe they sacrificed their, their younger years to, to have kids and raise kids early. But then like now when they can like afford it, they, you know, just like went off and they left us and we were able to fend for ourselves, you know? And so part of me saw that and was like, yeah, I want to be a young parent because like, I want to, you know, raise my kids now, live my best life when I'm old, like I can, you know, lavish, whatever. Right. So my plan was have my get married by like 25, 26, have my first kid before 30, have my second one, you know, somewhere like, you know, now uh, and then like live happily ever after. Right. Well, I'm 33 and I've been single for six years. <laughs> my plan is going to shit. Um, but my immediate family, um, they don't give me pressure. Um, they know not to ask my parents at this point are just like, they know that I'm doing so much that it's just not like a thing that I'm prioritizing. I mean, not that I'm not prioritizing it, but I'm just not like, not going to settle. And they know that at this point, my extended family, however, any time we are at an event or something, Nadia, when are you gonna get married oh what well, you're next and I'm like you've been saying that for 10 years like let's calm down now um but if I had a dollar for every time someone said like you're next or when are you getting married like I fly to Australia every day um, <laughs> so it's uh it's tough but at this point I've just come up with like smart ass answers to say back to people when they like ask me these things it's like yeah like all my friends are getting divorced now. So like, cool, let me just go jump into marriage. Like, yeah, I'm really excited for this. Um, but yeah, I haven't gotten the pressure, but now as I'm 33, 
the pressure from myself is coming from the fact that I do want kids and mm-hmm. I am getting older and I know people are having kids older um, and, you know, it is possible um, to still have a healthy baby in your, in your forties, but like the conversation of like freezing my eggs or like, do I do that now? Do I wait another year or so? Do I blah, blah, blah. Like those kinds of things are coming into play for me now, but um, the pressure of actually getting married has definitely like decreased seeing like literally half of my friends getting divorced. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I guess thinking about, as a community where that pressure comes from, I feel like there's a notion amongst older generations where to live a successful or fulfilled life, you need to like tick certain boxes. So, you know, get an education, get a job, get married, have kids, then you're set. But those kind of values that were brought up with aren't really the same. We're taught more to like focus on yourself. How can we be better people? And then everything else will come as a part Mm. of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like no one's ever like, oh, before you get married, start a company and like, you'll be, you know, happy and like, you know, working hard and like lead by example, whatever. Like no one cares about that, but it's like, when are you having kids? Like, who cares that you started a company? Mm. Like what? Yeah. It's (laughs) like your, your self-worth and all of that kind of is tied into ticking those boxes rather than all of the other accomplishments. And Mm. maybe you wouldn't have started a company, you know, if you had had kids so far. And so, you know, this is such a great achievement that people should be celebrating. And, you know, to, to Sandin's point, like back in the day as well, women, you know, didn't really have a lot of financial independence either, right? They were kind of seen as property that were passed on from fathers to then husbands, but obviously times are changing now. So the the need for marriage at such a young age is also not not so big and people are living together before they get married. Like it's just, you know, and a lot of people, their, their idea and perception of marriage is changing too. But I feel like it's still something that older generations are grappling with and not necessarily understanding so much. But hopefully yeah. things will change a little bit as we kind of become that older generation with children and stuff like that too. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I mean, even my nanny, like she'll, she'll always like kind of ask me, uh, she'll ask me, Oh, so are you like seeing anybody or whatever? She's like, Oh, well, you know, just like live your life when it happens, when the time is right, you know, it'll happen. So she'll like sneakily ask, but then she'll also just be like, Oh, but just like live your best life. (laughs) I'm just like, okay. Like, I mean, I know everybody wants to see me like get married like the whole world at this point wants to see me get married but like um I know you know it would make my parent like I just obviously got a dog and my mom is like obsessed with the dog even though my whole life she was like no dog no dog so I know if I have like her first grandkid like she would just be completely over the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's like a whole other pressure, right? Being like, oh, I want grandkids. So hurry up and get married. It's like, what? Just so you want a grandkid, but here's here's a fur baby that'll do for now. Exactly. I'm like, okay, this will buy me like a few years. Yeah. And I think um, another important thing that came up in the show as well was that Uh, And I think your mum actually mentioned it, that, you know, guys were kind of intimidated or scared by you because of how independent you are. And you're not, you know, you're super bubbly and outgoing, but you're not that sort of typical, like demure, like quiet sort of girl, which society kind of says you have to be like, which, you know, we love that you're yourself and that that's how you are because you represent a lot of 
South Asian girls. Like we're not like that anymore. Um, Can you talk a little bit to that and your experience with that as well when it comes to the dating scene and and marriage? And I know in the show too, Seema Auntie talks a lot about like being flexible and having to like give way to men and the woman has to be more flexible. And it just kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when those type of old school values kept coming up um, too. Yeah. So two things. One, um, it's funny that you say that about Seema because um, people always harped on the fact that like Seema said it to um, Aparna a lot, but she also said it to Pradhuman, but nobody like said anything about that. You know what I mean? And so it was like, it wasn't that she was just targeting the girls mm. on the show it she actually said it to brother one as well and mm. like she may have said it to akshay too because he also saw like i don't know 50 m- women or something like that mm. um and so like that was the thing was that like um i had actually rewatched the show um a few months after it came out with shaker and i actually rewatched it together and we <laughs> were like caught so many things that like people really harped on um, and like one of them being like at the end the like last episode it was like the last girl that they just like kind of introduced but then like nothing happened with and she was the one who's like oh I want someone light skin and then people were like oh my god colorism colorism but like nobody else on the show ever said anything about someone being light skin or dark skin or whatever um so it was just funny that like the last five minutes of like an eight episode hour-long show people were just like oh my god Um, but to the first part, here are my theories. I think men are intimidated by me for four things. One is that I, as you said, I am like bubbly and outgoing and I speak my mind and that scares people. And whether that is like, Hey, I like you. And people get like, Oh my God, she said she liked me so soon. Mm. Like what? Or, you know, whatever. Cause people aren't used to like, like no one talks about their feelings anymore. Apparently like when you tell a guy you like him, he's just like, Oh my God. Fine. So that's thing one. So I speak my mind and people don't like it. Secondly is that I'm successful. I work full time. I run my business full time. I still find time to dance as much as I can to like do other things. I do Instagram, this, this, like, and actually like have a life outside of that. And for insecure men that can also be like, is she going to have time for me? And then like, you know, then question like, you know, where do they fit in? Third is that I'm a pretty tall person. I'm five, nine. Um, and that's no shoes. And so when I put any type of heel on, I'm automatically like close to six foot, if not taller. And so when I walk in, I see eye to eye with the guy or I'm taller than him. That's like a hard thing for a lot of guys to stomach too, because they're just like, I'm used to looking, physically looking down at women. And then also it's just like, I, I just think it's like, might be like a little ego thing ego like, thing right yeah one, right yeah um and then the last thing is that like I think sometimes people are like they have like preconceived notions of like how I might be because like oh like maybe she's ditzy because she's pretty or maybe she's like stuck up because she's this or like maybe you know whatever and so I think that that like kind of plays into it as well so those have been my theories for, for the last however many years of like, why? Cause there was this period of time where I was only having first dates and I was like telling my friend, I'm like, I just don't understand. Like I thought the date went well, like I can talk to anybody. And I was like, I just don't understand like why 
like a second date was never happening. Um, and so I, I just like, wasn't figuring it out. And that's when all these theories started coming mm. about. <laughs> I feel like all of the things are strengths though. Yeah. Like with all of the women on Indian matchmaking, I really love seeing that because I feel like with a lot of other South Asian representation, if you look at like South Asian films, for example, a lot of the time women are portrayed as needing to be kind of submissive. But in your case, in the case of someone like Ankita, who yeah. um, had another matchmaker on the show tell her that she needs to take the backseat to a man in a relationship. He's the one who should make the decisions. He's the one who should take the lead. She was like, no, like, I'm my own person. I'm intelligent. I'm smart. I'm going to do me. Like, it was so yeah. cool seeing that part of the journey. Like, so, I mean, I could imagine that seeing someone like you on screen would be so inspirational for yeah. younger girls being confident in who they are and being comfortable enough to stand up for what they deserve, which is amazing. Yeah, definitely. I feel I like all the females cool. that were chosen for the show were like super strong and like very grounded yeah. in who they were as people, which, yeah, to send this point was so inspirational just for, you know, even me watching the show. Um, they chose a good narrative there when it comes to what they portray women as. And I think, you know, that they did a good job of that in the show itself. Yeah, I agree. I think all of us, we... Um, represented a, a, you know, each of our stories was different, but I think to your point, the string was that we were all just like strong women. Mm. Um, and, uh, even Rupam, um, you know, she was a single mother and yes. like a divorcee. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, a, a normal thing in America. And like, so many people are just like, Oh my God, like you're divorced or, Oh my God, you have a child. Um, and I think, you know, she represents actual women who live in this country or live around the world who are single mm. mothers and still, you know, young and trying to find, you know, their next partner. And I mean, now she's like happily married. She's expecting again. And it's so amazing that like, you know, even though when she met with Simanti that like she was kind of like Simanti was kind of like, oh, it's going to be hard to like find you somebody she she still did and like you know despite um you know her dad seeming very like strict and wanting a certain type of person for her and the kind of pushback she was getting from Seema auntie like she still was like this is what I'm looking for this is like what I want these this is who I am and that's it mm -hmm. like she can't change that you know kind of label that um society had like put on her divorcee mm. single mom whatever um but yeah she found a guy who yeah is so sweet that they're she's married <laughs> and expecting and so yeah Amazing. oh that's so lovely i guess to that point um you've obviously you know have like a wealth of wisdom to 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 give out just based on your own experiences so i guess too and and now you know obviously listenership is predominantly south asian young people like us um do you have any advice particularly to girls on how to answer back or how to deal with those questions about oh when will you get married or you know when will you get into a relationship is there some some pearls of wisdom that you can drop uh to to some girls and guys out there as well um, honestly, my like responses to my family in, of course, a respectful way, like never, you know, go to a, when someone asks you a question, never be disrespectful, but just in a very, like, at first I used to make a joke about it. I would just be like, oh, ha ha ha. Like whenever, you know, Mr. Wright comes riding in on his horse and like, I would just kind of play it off as like a joke. And then people just kind of stopped asking because I would always make like stupid remarks. But honestly, if I could give, you know, just like a piece of advice, it's just like, 
live your best life. Like, honestly, life is so short. And I think, you know, being in the pandemic, everyone has learned that. And Mm. I think hopefully your relationship brings you happiness and adds to your life. But like, if you are doing some things that every day that make you happy, and then you find someone who adds to that happiness, then wonderful. But like, if not, just tell your whoever asks you, like, I'm happy right now. Like, what more do you want me to be except happy, you know? Um, And so I think that's like a easy and respectful way. And then you also put it back on them. Like, what else Mm. do you want from me? I'm so happy right now. Is there anything else that I need to be? Um, And I mean, I I do a lot of panels for like um, different colleges and I always just tell them like, do whatever makes you happy. Like I was on in college. I took me five years. I was on academic probation two times, but look, I got my MBA. I started my business. Like just because it looks like I failed school, like it, I was, I was living my best life in college. I was dancing. I was partying. I was like doing what made me happy. And like, look, it all worked out in the end because like, you know, I, I realized, um, you know, what I, what I wanted and I went after it. But like, if I was living my life worrying about what made everybody else happy or what everybody else wanted of me, I would be freaking miserable. I wouldn't have been on this show. I wouldn't have modeled when I was younger. I wouldn't have done Mm. anything because everybody would have been like, Oh, just stay home or just be dancer or just, you know, be like a doctor or something like that. And I'm like, that's not me. Um, so yeah, I would say do what makes you happy and if people aren't okay with that, then you don't need them in your life. I love that. Yeah. Um, what's your stance on arranged marriages in the modern world? I mean, I am pro arranged marriage. I, I mean, I don't think I could have gone on a show for arranged marriages if I wasn't pro arranged marriage. I mean, I, I said it out, you know, on the show, my parents were in arranged marriage and, you know, they've been married 30 something years. Um, and so, you know, I, a few other members of my family are, are arranged marriages as well, and, and they're all still married. Um, so I've definitely seen it work. I am, um, I think there is a place for it. Um, I think the show did a good job of representing it to show that there is a choice in arranged marriages. Yes. Yes. And I think there was a misconception that arranged marriage meant forced marriage. Forced, yeah. And yes, that does still happen in, in different parts of the world where, you know, people are literally forced into marriages. But I think in a modern society, in a modern world, there is still a place for it. But I think having the choice and the opportunity to date like we did um, shows that it can still be a relevant thing. And I think the men that Seema picked for me, I understand why she picked them. And I think on paper, they, they all had different things that were appealing about them, um, to her and to me. And it it made sense. It's just obviously our, our personalities didn't click or something was, was off, but, um, I think it still can be a part of, uh, modern life. It's essentially Mm. a real life app, like a real life dating app, right? Mm. You put your algorithm, you're like, things that you want into SEMA <laughs> and then she looks through her little Excel file or she doesn't have an Excel. She has a little binder. Yeah. She looks through her binder and she spits out, you know, your recommendations That's and it's so like true. swiping right, you know? Yeah. So um, I would say there's definitely a place for it. Before we let you go, Nadia, we thought we'd play a quick game with you if you're down. Okay. Yeah. Would you rather date someone who's allergic to dogs or someone who's allergic to pizza? Oh, 
Um, I would say allergic to pizza because now that I have a dog, she's with me 24 seven. So, um, <laughs> And maybe I'll eat the pizza and they won't. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> um, would you rather give up dance or your events business? Oof. Oh, this is a hard one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I would say give up my business because... I still have my other full-time job and (laughs) so I can still make money and dance is just such a way for me to like, if I'm happy, if I'm sad, if I'm anything, it just brings me, you know, just back to a place and there's really no feeling like it. Uh, Mm. So yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Let's hope you never have to make that decision. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather play matchmaker for your best friend or have your best friend play matchmaker for you? Um, I would rather her playing matchmaker for me because all of my best friends are married. So I hope that I don't have to play matchmaker for them. (laughs) Good, good answer. (laughs) Um, Would you rather live by the Bolivian salt flats or eat ketchup with every meal? If you know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would definitely live by the salt flats. (laughs) (laughs) Um, if you had to quarantine with any cast member from Indian matchmaking, who would it be? Vyasar. Yes, nice. he was so lovely. Yeah. He seems like he'd be fine. so nice. love him with all of my heart. He is such a sweetheart. I, I can't even tell. He He's literally the best. Either him or Shaker, but I think... Um, I think Bowser for sure. Sorry, yeah. Shaker. <laughs> <laughs> you and him were definitely um, our favorites from, from the show. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, he's the best. And before we let you go, do you have any recommendations for our audience? It could be anything, a movie, a TV show, a book. Um, a few. So uh, for a show, if you have not watched Indian Matchmaking yet, <laughs> go watch Indian Matchmaking on Netflix. Um, the other show that I love, just so easy to watch, Shit's Creek is yes. Like, oh my god, Nadia! I've been telling Sendin to watch it. Like yet yeah, last you night we met up, it. and I was like, Sendin, you have to get onto the show. Oh gosh, oh, it's so good. This is like my fourth time rewatching it. Um, yes, must watch Shit's Creek. Um, so good, and um, the. Uh, book that I would recommend. So I read this book called It's Just a Fucking Date. And it was it's a book about dating. And it honestly changed my perspective of what a date meant. Um, because I think people put a lot of pressure on dates. And like, the book really just goes into like, it's just a fucking date. Like you're not marrying this person tonight. You're just two humans who are meeting for a coffee or who are meeting for a drink or a dinner or a movie, whatever it might be. Like, there is no reason to like, make yourself feel anything but comfortable or happy going into this experience. And so that book was like a huge um, game changer for me. That's also, we'll definitely need to check it out. Yeah, it's a quick, easy read. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Nadia. That was such a fun conversation. It was so cool getting to chat to you, having seen you on Indian Matchmaking as well. Thank you so much, Nadia. Yeah, this was awesome. Thank you guys so much. 
And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to share it with friends and family and check out our other episodes if you haven't already too. Make sure you hit the follow or subscribe button on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit us up with any of your stories and experiences around racism for us to unpack in our next episode. See you next time. Bye.